Welcome to the Social for Brokers podcast with me, your host, Chris Target. This podcast is for mortgage brokers and estate agents who are looking to grow their online presence through social media. I'll share tips, best practices, and useful tools that will help you save time and ultimately expand your business. Welcome to the Social for Brokers podcast. Today, I have with me Jim Smith from First Stop Mortgages and Protection. Now, if he's not giving mortgage advice, and he doesn't know I'm going to talk about this because I've done a bit of like looking at his social channels, he's normally either uploading photos of the latest loaves that he's been baking because he's he's taken up baking um, recently, and he's uploading TikTok videos. I'm going to talk to uh, talk to him about them, where he gets his trends from, where he gets his videos from. Now, we are here to talk to him about what he does on social media because you've probably seen a lot of his videos, but we're also going to talk about how he is looking at the new three-day working week because at the moment he does four-day working week and we're going to talk about how he sells so much protection and does so many mortgages with people. So, Jim, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. My pleasure. Perfect. Right then. So we're going to start. Give us a bit of a background as to who you are, when you started, because you started in 2007, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, for anyone who doesn't know me, my name is Jim Smith. I'm based in Northern Ireland. I'm a mortgage and protection advisor for, um, with Primus Network. As Chris mentioned, I first got into financial services in 2007. It was for a company that specialised in um, accident cover. So Basically, we went around door to door, knocking people's doors, offering them um, fracture cover, hospitalization cover. Literally, we stopped at every home in the hedge. So if we've seen work guys sitting in a van, having their break, went up, wrapped their window, went on building sites, oh. football teams, factories, you name it. If there was someone with a heartbeat, we stopped them and tried to sell them insurance. <laughs> Done that then from 2009 to 2000, no, sorry, 2007 to 2009, almost 2010. Um, when the credit crunch was really hit and squeeze and um, things were getting tight with that. So I came out of the industry. Okay. Um, yeah, I went back into different types of work. So I'd actually, we had worked out when I was 32 that I'd had 32 different jobs. So I'd worked from from a first job into 11. Yeah, until I got into the job I'm in now. So I'd varied background of working forklifts. I worked down sewers. I'm a qualified electrician. Worked back lots of different stuff. Yeah. But uh, got out of the insurance in 2009 and spent the next three years bouncing about between factories and doing temporary work and uh, forklift driving. And then got back into the insurances in 2012. Right. Um, started our own. Went self-employed 2012. Started our own business 2014. Um, limited company 2016 and then 2017 got the mortgage qualification and okay. that led me to where we are now oh so did it start as first stop protection is that how it started yeah so it started as first stop solutions right and nobody had a clue what we were uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah it's like, it's not in the name yeah. is it yeah yeah didn't make any sense at all so um then when we got the mortgage qualification we switched it to first stop mortgages and protection Mm-hmm. and that's it's grown from there then so that is and we're going to get into this because you've got some pretty impressive figures with your insurance side of things because you started selling insurance and it it wasn't it's a bloody tough by the sounds of it that you're having yeah. you know what i mean you're knocking on doors you're wrapping on windows yeah. you obviously have those expertise to be able to really sell insurance off the back of the mortgages don't you 
Yeah, absolutely. I, if I'm honest, the main reason we do mortgages is for the protection. Mm-hmm. If if I get hit the figures I do for protection without mortgages, I wouldn't be overly worried about them. And we're going to get into that shortly. But tell us, what was the worst response you've had when you was out on the road then trying to sell insurance? Like, did you knock on somebody's window and just tell you to F off? Or did you? All, all the time. You used How to did get you? Chased. You used chased? To get, <laughs> yeah, threatened with physical violence. Really? Um, yeah, called con men. I used to get there. We got to the point, if we were heading out into an area, we'd have phoned the local police station, give them our registration number, and explain that we're out canvassing. Because we used to regularly, I'd get phone calls. Are you the driver of a car with this registration? Yes, there's been multiple reports of you um, cold calling in the area. Now, the police were fine with it. They knew what we were doing. Oh, really? But, yeah, but they were just following up, which I suppose is a good thing when you hear about all the, the scams going on nowadays. But yeah. Uh, yeah, some of it used to be crazy. I remember a guy that I worked with had a gun pulled on him um, oh. by a farmer. Yeah. Um, a farmer pulled out a shotgun and told him if he didn't get off his yard, he was going to shoot him. And yeah, Bloody hell. it was crazy. But is it really good, really good training for getting to talk to people and win the round? Yeah, massively. And that that's what I was going to say. It can be seen as like double glazing salespeople, can't it? That that's how yeah. it's seen. But I suppose now that you've got the you've got all the setup of the business and things, especially from from me from the outside looking into mortgage advisors, if they're going to trust you with their mortgage, it's very easy for them to trust you with your insurance rather yeah. than going in. Do you get before we get into it? Do we get you get many clients that just come to you for insurance and protection, or do they come through the mortgage route? Um, I would say the majority is just insurance. Okay. For, for a long time, all we promoted was the insurance, and mm-hmm. I don't get passionate about mortgages. If people, okay. um, everyone wants a mortgage, but not everyone wants insurance. But I will get passionate when I'm talking about insurances. So a lot of my posts, the ones that tend to get the best traction are the ones where I'm talking about insurance rather than mortgage. That because you think that shines through more than it does talking about mortgages? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. And so many people are going to love this episode because it's, as the mortgage and the purchase market, market slows down, insurance really needs to help stop that gap of the the finances doesn't it so tell us what what was your average premium last year when it came to um, insurance last year's average premium would have been about 85 pound okay awesome so what would the monthly be um monthly in total i was writing an average overall 1700 pound a month wow of of insurance premiums that's that's really impressive. And a lot of people listening to this will kind of the ears will prick up now and take real note of this this podcast and see exactly exactly how you do it. In terms of mortgage lending, what kind of figures are you lending every month in terms of mortgage figures? With we're averaging between 1.2 and 1.5 million on mortgages. Now right. before Liz Trust stepped in last year, we were getting close to two million pounds a month. Okay. Interestingly, from October to January, when mortgages hit the rock bottom, mm-hmm. our insurances went through the roof. So we, really? we had our most productive time between October and end of January. Is that because you were doing less, less mortgages, so you had more time to focus on protection, or were more people... I think a Absolutely. lot more people are aware, aware about insurance after COVID, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, so one thing that came from it, we had a lot of people contacting us looking private health insurance, and... Okay. 
before COVID, you couldn't give away health insurance. There wasn't that many people interested in, but more and more people's been asked about it, which then gets her foot in the door to talk about their life cover, their critical illness and their income protection. And um, we also, when we realized the mortgages were starting to slow down, we started to focus on business protection. Mm-hmm. And we had a crazy month in November last year. We done almost £7,000 of monthly premium in November alone. Now, I remember when I joined Primus, my target was £500 a month of premium, which was 6000 for the year. Mm-hmm. And November last year, I done in one month what my target had been four years ago for a year. So it's it's crazy what you can write when you focus on it. Wow. And business protection is something that it's been a bit of a buzzword, hasn't it, the last six months? Yeah. Because people are realising that it's an avenue that not necessarily been neglected, but because you've been so busy with mortgages, you haven't yeah. had time to sit down and go, right, you're a limited company director, so let's talk about business. How do you start that conversation with people? Do you go out and cold call them? Not cold call them, but you know what I mean, yeah. follow up some of your clients. How how do you generate that business? So what we started doing first was looking at clients that were already in our book that we knew were company directors. And we okay. contacted them and explained that, Obviously, want to get in touch to review their personal cover, but also just make them aware that some of their personal cover they could potentially move into the business. Mm-hmm. So again, that got our foot in the door talking about relevant life cover, and then we start talking about um key person income protection, key person life cover, and critical illness shareholder protection, and then that just opened the floodgates. And um, another one again that worked really well with businesses was the health insurance. Okay. And we were able to show clients that they can get corporate health insurance cheaper than the personal health insurance. And then once right. they realized that, we explained that we asked them what they like to see how they can have the rest of their insurance set up in a more tax efficient way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there was, it was simple. It was really simple. Yeah. Point, carried on from there. What's interesting that you've said there is you've used your current client bank. Now, as mortgage advisors, and, and we speak about it all the time, it's about yeah generating leads offline and we want to be generating new business, but you've utilized your current bank to go in, step in and say, right, we've got all this data here on people. You haven't talked once about getting outside business. It's all been within your database, hasn't it? Yeah. Massive. Well, it's, it's, it's clients that already believe in you and already trust you. So they're mm-hmm. the easiest people to, to sell to mm-hmm. work. Like before, like I said, when I was going out knocking doors and tapping on van windows, they're the people that have no interest in talking to you. But if you've got a client there three or four years and you have a good relationship with with them, yeah. they're going to give you 10 or 15 minutes to talk about other options they have with their cover. And as soon as you say tax efficient, people listen, don't they? Especially with business protection. It's like, well, yeah, it's not going to cost Absolutely. you as much as you think. And it's it's coming straight through the um through your business. Yeah. And then what we also done, I went to my own accountant and asked him would he like his insurances looked at he got me to do it and now we have him set up as an introducer to us uh, and he's been setting us in regular business probably on a monthly basis now that's really in that's a really good way of doing it and that might form part of the strategy question at the end but your accountant is speaking to business owners all day every day so it's very mm-hmm. easy for him to say do you want a tax efficient way to look after your, your staff yeah Oh, interesting! A lot of a lot of people are going to be finding out their accountants after this one, mate, and uh, <laughs> doing the same. So, we talked about your protection. We talked about how you run the business. One interesting thing that came out of our conversation before this podcast was you doing a four day week at the minute, but you're looking to reduce it to three. 
and it's all about you guys in the company sticking to what you're good at, isn't it? Can you yeah. can you talk us through that and how it works, Jim? Yeah. So well, we've already done, Chris. I've actually cut it down now to a three day. Week. Oh, have you? Okay. Yeah. So a lot of our clients want to be seen in the evenings, mm-hmm. and what we were doing before was seeing the same amount of clients, but stretching it out over the full week. What okay. we do now is Monday to Wednesday, we'll do appointments from ten o'clock in the morning to half eight in the evening. Okay. And it's still giving us lots of time to see clients. I mean, um, two weeks ago, I've seen 30 clients in three days. God. Now, don't get me wrong. It's by the time you get to Wednesday, you, yeah, you're ready for your pillow. But the great thing then, you're four days off. And being a, a dad of three girls, all primary school age, it gives me that four days that I can spend with the kids. So when I get up on Thursdays, have a bit of time to myself, go to the gym, play a bit of squash. And then Friday, me and my wife will go and spend a bit of time together. And then with the whole weekend with the kids. So it works perfect. And as you touched on, we're just making sure that we're doing the things that we do best. Mm-hmm. So in our office, there's myself, there's my brother, who's also a company director and office manager. And then we have Leah, who is a qualified mortgage advisor with over 10 years experience as a mortgage advisor and a really good admin. Right. So we, we share the duties. So we'll sit down every morning, talk about the calls that were done the evening before, what needs applied for, what needs quoted, talk about the calls that's coming up this day, what needs done. And then we also supply Leah with a list of people that we need her to contact, set up appointments, whether it's trustees or referrals or reviews. Mm-hmm. And it's we just it's a well-oiled machine now. It works really well. Um, Leah finishes early on a Friday. Simon finishes on the Thursday evening and I finish on the Wednesday evening. And wow. it just worked well. Everyone knows their place. We still we have um a bonus structure in place for Leah mm-hmm. and she never fails to hit it. Even last month when we cut down to the three day week, we thought this will really test us. Mm-hmm. But we're still able to do it. It's just being more um trying to think about seven. Just making sure with the clients we're being as efficient as possible. And it sounds if, sorry. sorry no, go on, Jim. I was just going to say, if there is any clients who can't see me on a month from Monday to Wednesday, we have Leah, as I said, that's a qualified mortgage mm. advisor, and Simon, that's a qualified protection advisor. So those guys can step in on the Thursday mm-hmm. if they need to see people in. And then if it's Friday, Leah can deal with them, but they told you, but he got up to lunchtime. And normally when you give people that option, they don't realize that you work in the evening. So when they hear you can do evenings, they're happy to see you on a Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. I think that's huge is offering um, evening appointments. When I was an estate agent, I think if there was an estate agent that did evening appointments, they'd make an absolute killing because it's yeah. when people are available. Yeah. What What happens if something happens on a Thursday or a Friday? The thing is, I suppose you've got somebody in Leah who is a mortgage advisor yeah. but does a lot of the applications, so has that knowledge, is able to step in if that's needed. The only thing is I would think, would that be quite rare for a company? Do you think a company could work with just say like two admin staff that cover the Thursday and the Friday? I suppose it depends on everyone's setup. I mean, whenever I first started, I was doing six days a week and right. me and Simon done everything. There was just the two of us. So we done all the calls, all the applications, um, all the admin work. And I realized I was burning myself out. I thought I need to cut this down to five days. So we'll cut mm-hmm. it down to five days, just the two of us. And then it, and, at the start, then I cut out Fridays as well. So I was down four days. It's, right. I think it's all about how you program and condition yourself to work that way. Now, don't get me mm-hmm. wrong. Thursdays, um, I'll still do the odd call. 
if needs be. Now, I've, this Thursday, I have to go and do a call with the guys willing to spend £500 a month on insurance. So right. I'm not going to worth your while. him. Yeah, I'm not going to shoehorn him into the day that doesn't suit. Mm. Thursday works for him. So I'm going to take a run up and see him. But again, that's two hours out of the day. Yeah, and it's, and... it's a month's target, really, of what I used to write. Um, but I do know a lot of guys that are starting to starting to pass off the work they can to their admins mm-hmm. to then cut down on their own working hours. Yeah, because it is. Uh, you'll know yourself, Chris, talking to guys. It's a stressful job. It's not mm-hmm. physically stressful, but it can be mentally stressful. And you need to have as much time to yourself as you possibly can. So I would rather go hell for that for three days and then chill the, the other four days. Do what you're good at. And that's a similar conversation that we have to people. You don't want to be sat there creating social media posts when you could be doing an appointment. So it's a very similar thing. When it comes to admin staff, how do you find good admin staff? Because I think from speaking to mortgage advisors, that's one of the hardest things in running a business. It's really hard. We're actually trying to hire another one at the moment, and we're finding it really tough to get them. Is it tough? It is. um, What we would tend to do is try and look at um, bank staff. So said Leah came oh, okay. from Santander. We found in the past anyone that we've hired that's worked in a bank before, they're really meticulous mm-hmm. when, when it comes to the compliance side of things. Um, right. They're normally quite good with the systems. Sometimes they're maybe not as comfortable um, face-to-face, but that's okay. fine. We're not worried about that. Um, it's just finding someone that you know you can trust when they're sitting down in front of the system or when they're, when they're looking at mortgages or whatever the case may be, that they everything's ticked off so every every i's dotted and every t's crossed mm-hmm. so they tend to be the best ones um we have had other people before that were advisors but they were just really struggling they knew the job but they couldn't mm-hmm. get the clients so what we done then was convert them into the admin staff oh, okay yeah because they know the systems well. and outs yeah yeah it's really interesting the way you talk about the setup it, have you ever read the book the e-myth it's called the entrepreneurial myth revisited. Yes, a long yeah. time ago. Yeah, it's essentially what you've done. You've every so what it does in this book, it tells you to write out a, a a company hierarchy of all the roles, and then what you do is put a member of staff to each of those roles. Yeah. It's exactly what you've done there. It's it's making sure people know their role and do it very well, and that's yeah. allowed you to do a four and a three day week now. Yeah, and what we've actually done um, with that, any of the jobs in our business me or Simon have done them ourselves first. Okay. So we know what needs done whenever we drop someone in. So at the moment, we're going to start developing more of the trust side of our business. Right. And once once we have that nailed down, Simon's going to take care of that side. Once we have that nailed down, specifically what that job needs to be, and Simon's done it, then we're going to look to bring someone in to run it. Mm-hmm. But everything will be in place. That it'll, not be a matter, it'll not be a matter of bringing them in and trying to work out how it's going to work. It'll be, we've done it, we've perfected it to where we think is perfect, and then bring someone in just to replicate what we've done. And you've got a list of standard operating procedures then, haven't you? You can say, yeah. right, this is steps one to ten, this is how you put something in trust, and that's very basic, yeah. but this is what you do. And you can just hand them a manual, essentially, to do that job because that's you've done it. exactly yeah. what we're doing. Yeah, awesome. yeah. Same with the advising. We, we have like a Bible, we call it, so it's a script for when you okay. first phone a client to going through the fact find, to closing the sale, to oh. going through the medical. So it's all there. If anyone needs it, they can just follow it. You know, if they're doing a phone call with mm-hmm. the client, they can literally just sit with it in front of them and read through it. And that's a great way if you're going to be hiring staff and mortgage brokers. They 
they're adapting your values. When they speak to somebody on the phone, you know that they're speaking how you would speak and they're not going ad lib or they're saying what they want. And and from a compliance point of view as well, I can assume that's it's a bit of a weight off your mind, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Make sure everything right's been said. Right. So we've done the heavy stuff, we've done the processes, we've done all the company stuff. We're gonna get into the fun stuff and that's social media. So okay. you guys are big on TikTok, aren't you? We'll get into yeah. TikTok in a minute. But the first thing is, is where do you get your content ideas from for social media? Literally, I know this sounds bad, especially talking to someone who specializes in social media. We just no. come up with stuff. We January. Yeah. Like, um, for example, we, we have been talking about that April Fool's prank that we're playing. Um, yeah. I had been at a concert on the Friday evening and I woke up on the Saturday morning to a text message from my brother. I was like, Jim, that building in the middle of the town Photoshop our um, logo on it and put up a post to say that we've we've rented it out. So yeah. that was literally done in like so five minutes. Before, before we get into this, can you tell the story from the, the way that you told it me? Because it, it was it was funny the way it's appeared on social and I've seen it grow. Yeah. So um, Topshop, there had been a, a building in the middle of our town, quarter down, um, Topshop had been in. So it's three floors, really nice building. It's been empty now for probably about 18 months. Mm-hmm. So we literally... Got a photo of the building, photoshopped our sign over the top shop sign and put up a post saying we wanted to wait until our sign was up, but we've signed a lease now for the old top shop building. So on the ground floor, we're going to have a barista coffee shop. People can come in and chill. The first floor is going to be our offices where we're going to offer advice on mortgage insurance. And then on the second floor, we're going to have a dedicated social media studio where we can do all our dances <laughs> for TikTok and Facebook and Instagram. And it- absolutely blew up like i was sitting the two of us was texting each other like after three minutes there were seven seven impressions on it but 30 minutes there was 40 impressions and i think it ended up there's about 150 interactions all together and loads yeah. of people come out and congratulations this is amazing <laughs> we had um, a bank manager contact with us local bank manager great location jim can't believe you got that um, other mortgage brokers, clients saying they'll definitely call in for a coffee. A solicitor that we work with contacts like that's a fantastic location. It just went <laughs> nuts. We had we put up a, a separate post then of Simon standing outside it with a thumbs down and said, "Listen, it's an April Fool's." Mm-hmm. I then had to add up the original post to say to people, "This is an April Fool's." People were still contacting me yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> um, congratulate us on it. Last. So it, it just went down. It went down really, really well. We'd done another one yesterday. Um funny talking about her, and it was based on job interviews. Okay, yeah. And it's just a completely silly, stupid wee um video me and Simon done. And it was again two of us sitting chatting, we're like, we should do this, this would be kind of funny. And mm-hmm. we done it. And then some of the inspiration, especially for the silly ones, we'll maybe see something on TikTok or on Reels. Mm-hmm. And we'll go right, let's adopt that and put our own spin on them. So, so that's um, it. So the yeah. so what I wanted you that the April Fool's story is class because it just shows sometimes your social media doesn't have to be planned out to within an inch of its life. It can yeah. be, I've got an idea, let's try it. And be honest, you've probably tried five of those ideas before and four of them have maybe flopped. Do you know what I mean? You've done five funny videos and four have flopped, but then this one the simplest one of changing the sign on a top shop store has just yeah. blown up. So yeah. I definitely agree with you. Sometimes it can be just a bit of a, on the whim, this is what we need to upload. When you're looking for, so when you start videos and you're doing those trends, where do you look for the trends? How do you find the trends? 
Um, honestly, sometimes it'll just pop up. We'll go on TikTok, surfing through it, and something will pop up, and we'll see it's trending, and we'll go right, let's hit it. But there's been other ones. They don't. They're not all trends. One that I done one time was the Hugh Grant dance out of love. Actually, oh, okay, I just yeah. I've been watching it and I thought that'll be funny to do that dance. I'll I'll yeah. do that dance and done it and it went nuts as well. Did so it. we find with social media a lot of people will. If you're on social media and you're a mortgage broker or you're an insurance advisor, people will mostly assume that you know your job, that you're good at it. So they don't necessarily want facts and figures and interest rates thrown at them daily, mm -hmm. but they want to get to know you, or that's our belief anyway, Yeah. which is why the majority of our stuff on social media is taking the mic out of ourselves or doing something funny, because it's just to let people know this is our personality. You come and see us, it's going to be relaxed, it's going to be chill, you're going to have a good laugh. And you're also going to get your mortgage insurance sorted out. Yeah. And it's very hard to do that. And that's where I always say to people when we have a chat is you can't hire an agency to do that for you. Mm -hmm. You have to do that in-house, regardless of people do have a fear of going on camera. And if you don't want to do camera work, that's fine. But it's the best yeah. way to show your personality. Absolutely. That leads me perfectly into the next question. How did you get over doing video in the initial instance? Or did it just come naturally to you? No, it was something really simple, and I never thought of it until a guy that I've been speaking to that on social media told me, mm -hmm. turn your phone the other way. Okay. Literally, instead of having it in selfie mode, turn it the other way. You can't see yourself, and just say what you need to say to the back of your phone. Mm -hmm. And as long as you haven't muddled over your words, don't even edit it. Go straight on and post it, and that's it. And the more you do that, the more comfortable you get. So that's what we done at the start. Mm -hmm. And until now, we obviously have it in selfie mode and do it the way everyone would do it. And but what you're finding with... Cool. To, uh, I anyone I've talked to, I've told them the exact same thing. If you're struggling with video, turn around so you can't see yourself. And what you'll find is a lot of people will dissect their own video. So I love that you say, yep, yeah, just put it out there, get it out there. But yeah. what you'll find is when you upload it, you actually get more admiration than people taking the mic. Absolutely. And because people don't want to do it themselves. So just put that video out. Another tip I would say, I love the idea of flipping it around. I never actually thought of that, but do it whilst you're walking because it's so hard to do a video when you're sat there face to the camera, go and do it whilst yeah. you're walking the dog and just get used to it. Yeah, absolutely. So we've recorded the video. What do you now do to upload it to TikTok? How do you create a TikTok video? Um, tech, it actually took me a while getting my head around TikTok because it's not as easy as posting something on Facebook or social media. Mm -hmm. um, so if it's one that we're not adding anything to, like the one we done yesterday at the job interview, it was literally just me and Simon chatting across the table. Um, TikTok's really good because you can pause your video, you can do it in different sections, and if there's a bit you don't like, you can delete it and do it again, which mm -hmm. anyone new to doing social should do it in TikTok. I Personally, I think it's the easiest way to do it, an easy way to add it if you need to. Um, and then if I want to add a bit of text or script to it, I do. And then literally just hit post. As soon as I hit post, saves in the gallery, and I can share it then onto Facebook and um, um, Instagram and LinkedIn. I would say the main thing with it, and I think a lot of reason why some people put it off, they think they need to get into it too much, and they need to be an right. expert on, on editing videos. Mm -hmm. As you'd said there, Chris, just record it, post it, and forget about it. Mm -hmm. People aren't looking for that polished stuff as much anymore. No. 
Do you know what I yeah. mean? We we watch you watch behind the scenes. You watch um, like on Netflix. You watch the behind the scenes bits, and it's the shaky camera. People actually warm to that more now than yeah. the the professional stuff. The professional stuff has a place, promotional. Yeah. But then when it's you doing a dance, you don't want to hire a videographer for you to do one Taylor Swift dance and then and then move. Do you know what I mean? It just yeah. just get it done. So I suppose the big question is: Does it generate business at the minute, or is it more just brand awareness? Absolutely generates business. Awesome. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And even the silly ones. Yeah. So for two or three weeks there, all we done was silly ones. Mm-hmm. And we had people contacting us weekly. Um awesome. looking looking mortgages and insurance. And when we we always ask when someone phones in or messages the page, where did you hear of us? And a lot of the time it's senior videos and TikTok. Or we had one guy um two weeks ago contacted us and he had been referred on by his friend mm-hmm. and when i asked who the friend was he went by the way she she's not a client but she's followed you on facebook for years and she said when she does get a mortgage she's coming to you guys she's how good's that yeah you don't even ha- you haven't even sold anyone anything and they're still referring you because yeah. you're visible you're front of mind yeah. when when you talk about i think we missed a bit there with tiktok you will post the tiktok videos on your facebook page won't you and then is that where you get the majority of your inquiries through Facebook? Facebook and LinkedIn. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the two main ones. Do you have a different approach on LinkedIn to Facebook, like with the TikTok videos, or do you just upload them to all the channels? No, we, the, the only difference with LinkedIn, because um, some people can be a wee bit strange with LinkedIn and think it has to be all dead serious. Yeah. So to steal a line from Monty Python, whenever I do one of the funny ones on LinkedIn, I'll put up the top of it and now for something completely different. Okay, so, so it just breaks down that barrier straight away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so they're not expecting it to be serious because at the start, I used to do those videos and people would message and say, this isn't the platform for it, this isn't Facebook. Did you used you to know. get messages? That's bad, isn't it? Yeah, but I quite liked it because I knew if I was living around free on their head, you know, it's annoying them more than it <laughs> me. So if someone messaged me to say, I don't want to say that on LinkedIn, you can guarantee that I'm going to do more of that on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Um, but just to keep people happy, as I said, just put in a knife or something completely different and something funny. And they always get a good reaction. There's one I done, I actually can't remember what it was. I'll have to check it out and send it to you, but there's one I done on LinkedIn and it went complete. Oh, it was a joke about a helicopter. Uh, right. and it got like tens of thousands of views and was shared mm-hmm. and had nothing to do with my work at all. But Madness, I got a lot of people it? starting to follow me then on LinkedIn from that. Yeah, and business off the back of it. So what you're doing is creating a video in TikTok and using it on so many different platforms, aren't you? Yeah, that's the key. It's 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 not reinventing the wheel. You're not having to think of a different piece of content for every platform. But social media strategists would say you need a different approach to LinkedIn that's different to Instagram that's different to Facebook. Yes, you would if you had the time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If you had five hours every week to sit down and do that, great, go and do it. But when you haven't, do exactly what Jim's doing then. Make sure you use your content across all the channels because it can't hurt. Yeah. Really interesting with social. I'd go, if I was a listener of this, I'd go back to the beginning of that and take notes of everything that you've you've just said and exactly what you do. Before we get into the strategy question where we find out how you would generate brand new business, we like to make a £10 donation to a charity of your choice. Which charity yeah. did you want us to make the donation to? So there's a really lovely client of mine, um, Natasha Lockhart, and she lost her mum when she was young to cancer. And mm-hmm. Natasha's taking part in the London Marathon this year, and she's raising money for World Cancer Research Fund. So Fab. I will send you her um, Just Given link, 
Yes, please do. Yep. Yeah, donate it all there. Yeah, that'd be great. She's, we'll make the donation. Two thousand, and I would ask if anyone's got anything from this podcast, jump onto the link, and even if you give her a pound, two pound, it'd be great to see her raising her target of two thousand. Fantastic. We'll put the we'll put the link in there as well for you. All right. Brilliant. So. To wrap up the podcast, the strategy question. So we're going to pretend that you've moved to the north of Scotland. You've got a laptop, a mobile phone, and an internet connection. What would you do to start generating new business? So I've been thinking about this, Chris. I've given a lot of thought. Awesome. I Technically, I have done this. Okay, yeah. So um, when COVID first hit, the housing market in Northern Ireland closed completely. And okay. England opened up first. And we thought we need to generate business somewhere. So I would do the same as I've done there, which I've okay. done in London. So if I was in Scotland, I would, first of all, get it passed by compliance with the network. But mm-hmm. then I would target NHS staff in Scotland and offer them fee-free mortgages. Right. Um, what we done in London that time, we offered fee, fee-free mortgages to all NHS staff. We offered them £50 refer a friend as well. And we also got a pass by compliance that if they switched their mortgage or insurance to us, they would get a £100 reward. That's like the banks used to do. Ah, right. And, I've never uh, heard of people doing that. That got that got us through um, probably the most difficult part of lockdown. Our average mortgage in Northern Ireland would be about 160000 mm-hmm. Uh In London, we were doing mortgages for 500000 There was one we'd done that was 725000 and the protection oh, yeah. off the back of it. And none of those people obviously knew us from London. They didn't know, you know, they wouldn't have been following our page. But we got into um, St. Thomas's Hospital in London. Um, and all the doctors started recommending us because they seen us as being experts with doctors. Yeah. It all kicked off. One doctor had seen, sorry, one doctor's PR friend had seen her post and contacted us saying that her partner had been to four different brokers in London and they couldn't get him a mortgage. Um, he said over all the pay slips, mainly a lockdown. We're like, we can't see what the complication is. It's straightforward. He done banking hours and different stuff, but we got him the mortgage, and then he passed us on to another friend, and likewise, like a pass. And we're still getting referrals three years later, um, from hell. that initial guy. So yeah, I would, if, wherever I was put in the UK, I'd come up with some sort of deal where I'm offering free advice or giving cash back, get it passed by compliance, mm-hmm. and then yeah. do a targeted ad in that area. That's class, um, yeah. So you, you were like, right, Northern Ireland, it's dead in the water for the next few months yeah. because it's closed. Right, where is the business happening? So, and that's why I asked that question about the internet connection and the mobile phone, because even though you're in Northern Ireland, you were serving people in London and yeah. people aren't bothered where you are anymore, are they? No, they don't care. And don't that's care. the thing we discovered. We always thought we have to, all our appointments before COVID were face-to-face. So I drove an hour and a half to come and see you. We believe you need to see the white of your eyes. But once we realized you can't go to your next door neighbor's house, mm-hmm. we, yeah, were like, we, have, we have to do something different. So that's yeah. when everyone discovered Zoom and all of a sudden clients didn't care. As long as they were getting advice, they wanted to see you face to face, but if it had to be on Zoom or on the phone, they were happy enough to do that. So that just opened up the whole of the UK. We were always really mm-hmm. proud. There's six counties in Northern Ireland. And we were always proud that we had clients in each county in Northern Ireland. Oh, awesome. Now we can say we have clients in every part of the UK. So Northern Ireland, Scotland, England, and Wales. Oh, I mean, wicked. from we you should do a count, in, you should have counties up and down the UK now. That's what you're gonna do. Hit every yeah, postcode in the UK. Absolutely. We literally we have clients in um, Devon and we have clients right up in Scotland. 
Wow. around Edinburgh and also yeah covered the length and breadth of the UK now all because of COVID and what I, I I speak a lot about local businesses and and helping build your brand locally first and it's it's a big thing to build it locally first because you get your name out there it's very hard to yeah. go from zero to a hundred with the, the whole UK but yeah. once you've built that platform and there'll be there'll be a lot of people that listen to this that maybe at your size of company at COVID level Mm-hmm. And they're like, right, how do I ne- take the next step to go from this village that I live in to this town, this city, this country? And that's exactly what you've talked about there. Pick a target area and a target. And I know there's the word niche is thrown about so much in yeah. this industry. But that's essentially what you did. You picked a niche area and a niche um, occupation, didn't you? And yeah. it bloody helped by the sounds of it. It did. Well, the whole thing then, we were all out at 8 o'clock every night clapping the NHS. So again, yep. that, that was trend at the time. It was all about the NHS. Yeah. I thought, right, we want to do something. We'll give something back. Mm-hmm. Um, so we thought, right, fee-free advice and cash back for switching. And we actually, I was surprised because I sent things into um, compliance and a lot of times they come back and we can't do that. And I sent right. this in thinking they're never going to let me do this. And they came back and approved it and went, we wish more brokers would think of this. This is something really nice oh. to do for people when they're struggling. So yeah, we, we threw um, £500 behind it. And just targeted, targeted London, and it really worked. As I say, up, up to now, we're still getting referrals um, from St Thomas's Hospital and all in around the London area. And that's interesting that you tell the story about the doctor's girlfriend saw the advert. That when you are creating social media posts, don't just think about that ideal client because mm-hmm. it will be maybe their partner, their mom and dad, their brother, their sister that sees a post. So you've got to make sure it appeals to everybody in that market, but shows that you're a specialist in that particular area, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Thank you very much, Jim. I'm sure people got a lot of value from that one. Where's best for people to connect with you if they want to reach out and have a chat? Um, So if they want to catch me on LinkedIn, it's just at Jim Smith um, on Facebook, if they want to check out some of the stuff we do there, it's um, First Stop Mortgages. Mm-hmm. Same on link or same on Instagram. Um, yeah, or they can look me up TikTok if they want to look at some of the stupid stuff that's nothing to do with work as well. It's yeah. at Jim S M Y eighty. Okay, perfect. And and your surname Smith with S M Y T H. If anybody's that's looking right. for the surname yeah. on there, mate. Thank you so much for coming on. Really, really appreciate your time and good luck for the rest of twenty twenty three. Thank you very much, Chris. It's been a joy. Cheers, Jim. Thank you. So thank you very much for listening. If you feel this podcast brought you any value at all, I'd be extremely grateful if you could leave me a review on the podcast, little five stars, and subscribe to keep you up to date with all future episodes. We can also connect on social, so you can get me on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn, all with the handle Social for Brokers. Look forward to hearing from you and connecting with you all.